Hey, Dale. How's it going? I'm doing fine. How are you? Very well, very well. You know what? I know this episode is going to be better because I left here last week and I went to the garage. My tire, completely flat. Had to limp my way to the Firestone on Com Ave. Had to get a whole new tire replacement. So I know Somehow this- that indicates that this is going to be better? It, it, well, it can't be any worse. Oh, That's why I okay. know. All yeah. right. Well, you could go out and find two tires flat, but... <laughs> oh, please don't do that. Please just, don't just do that. Just a thought. I really can't afford that right now. Second edition of Zero Pucks Given and uh, kind of a potpourri of topics. There are, are going to be times during this podcast where we're going to hone in on specific things. Uh, I really want to talk about fighting in hockey at some point, and that's going to be a deep dive into something, you know, a, a little more topic-driven. But I think for the second episode today, we're probably going to we're probably going to bounce around a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Crazy weekend. It was like an old friend's weekend here. You had Chloe Julianne on Saturday, and then today, or yesterday, you had, you had Tyler Sagan back in town. Always a party when he's back in town, you know. Wherever he is. Exactly. So, I, I want to start in Montreal. I, I do think that you look at that game... It, it it really didn't feel like it was a, a revenge game for Claude Julien or for the, for the Boston Bruins for that matter. And I'm wondering, did I? Why do would that, it be? That's what I mean. Did I do that to myself? Yes. Why why would it be a revenge game for the Bruins? They like Claude Julien. Uh, the Bruins players who played for him like him. Uh, he won him a cup. Uh, he was a good coach here. His time had come. Uh, you know, the Bruins and Don Sweeney decided to make the move to Bruce Cassidy. And based on the records since that move last February, it's hard to argue that the move was improper. It was the right move to make. I, I, I never thought, thought that the Bruins were going to seek any revenge. I, I heard comments from Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and others talking about how much a part Claude Julien played in their development, how much they respect him. I think the, the guys on this Bruins team who played for Claude Julien genuinely like and respect him. I think by the end of it, he almost stripped the fun from this team, though. In a lot of ways, it felt like he was a, a dark cloud. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but he knew he was getting fired. I have no idea what you're talking about. A dark really? cloud. Ryan Spooner. What, what about Ryan Spooner? Maybe Ryan Spooner is Ryan Spooner's problem. Why is that Claude Julian's problem? Well, I just think that there was a, there was a time where he really sort of became this negative influence on the team. And, and again... I don't know if I'm reading too much into their body language during last season before they made the switch to Bruce Cassidy, but it seemed that the players weren't having fun the way they should. When they're, play- when they're playing pro hockey, when you're playing a game, I just didn't feel that this team was energized or maybe they didn't feel... Don't you always find that energy and fun and all that stuff is almost totally predicated on winning and losing? Yes. When you win, you're having fun. Doesn't matter the style you're playing. Uh, you know, Jacques Lemaire's Devils teams had fun when they were winning. They were playing that god-awful neutral zone trap that you wanted to dig your eyes out with a grapefruit spoon. But, oh, boy, we're, we're winning. We're having fun. Please stop with that. You know, he sucked the fun out of this team. If they're not winning, they're not having fun. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Well, we complicate things way too much in, in, in that regard. Uh, look, Claude Julian had a certain style that he wanted to play. Uh, I think that the, the players probably enjoy the more aggressive style that Bruce Cassidy has has kind of put forth here. I think Bruce Cassidy's roster also makes that easier to do. Uh, you know, this team is considerably faster than than what we've seen in the past. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is watch them play against the other teams in the NHL, where the Bruins always had this gigantic speed deficiency in the past. They don't have any more. They're as quick as any team out there now. So because of that speed and youth, they've got like six kids playing right now. 
you know, that there's a certain youthful enthusiasm that comes too. Guys like Matt Grizzlick and Jake DeBrusque are so damn happy to be in the National Hockey League. You bet they're smiling ear to ear Always every day. smiling. And why wouldn't they be? It's true. Well, I think, well, so maybe if we look at it from the other scope, did Claude look at this a little bit more intensity than the Bruins would in a, in a way because I don't think that you sign with Montreal or go right to Montreal a week after you get fired unless you want to stick it to Don Sweeney and the Boston Bruins. Stop Bruce. it. Really? Did you see the contract they offered him? Yeah. You take that deal. What are you kidding me? <laughs> well, Ty, look at what they gave him. Yeah. He'd be an idiot not to go there. And, and by the way, if some other team, if, if the, the Minnesota Wild had offered the same deal, he'd have gone there for that. It's true. The Montreal Canadiens offered him the money. Yeah. A lot of money and a lot of term. Why wouldn't he go? Well, I, I think that he wanted to still show the Bruins that his style works because I do think there was a clash there where he said he needed more talent and the Bruins said, no, you have the talent, win. And he said, no, I'm going to go to a team that has a younger Zeno Chara and Shea Weber and a better Tuka Rask and Carey Price. And I do think that guess was what? part of Neither is true. Yeah. Well, By the way, he that. never said that. You said that for him. He True. never said, I've got a younger Zidane Chara. He never said, I've got a better t- uh, Tuka Rask. You said it. And you stuck those words in his mouth. He never said those things. I know, but don't you get there was that some sort of feeling from there? You don't, no. You, you really don't. No. I think you're reading too much into it. He, uh, he, he got fired here. Mm-hmm. He probably knew that the end was, uh, that oh, it was he had time. To. He had to. Uh, you know, I don't think he was shocked when it happened. Uh, all of a sudden, the Montreal Canadiens come knocking on his door with this unbelievable five-year contract offer that you'd be a fool not to take. I don't think he said, I'll show them. I got a better team in Montreal anyway. He knows how flawed that team is. He knows a lot more hockey than you or I do. He is a, it is a team bereft of centers. I mean, I've never seen a team more poorly managed than the Canadians are right now. I mean, you take a look at the way that roster's been built. Forget about the fact that Weber's hurt right now. Nobody could predict that. No one, you got nothing to do about that. You look at the way that team is constructed, I, I'm, somebody's going to go in Montreal. It ain't going to be Claude Julien. It's going to be his general manager. Well, it should be, too, because they, they, they haven't built the team to Claude's strengths at the same time. So I see it from that point of view. Their best center is, is who? Placanics? And he's a, he's a very, very poor man's Chris Bergeron, to the point where he's not even Chris Bergeron. Uh, the game itself, what was the big takeaway for you? It was fun. It was. I mean, the game Saturday night was a blast. Unfortunately, nobody saw it. Uh, you know, that, and, and it, it is not the fault of the National Hockey League that they scheduled the first Bruins-Canadians game on the night the Patriots are playing a playoff game. The, the NHL schedule is done back in June. You have no way of predicting, you know, on January 15th or whatever it is, this is, gonna, this is what your, your problem is going to be. So I don't blame the NHL for that. Unfortunately, a fun, exciting blast of a hockey game got seen by so few people. I'm not going to kill the NHL for that. What I am going to kill the NHL for is scheduling three Bruins-Canadians games in an eight-day span. It's ridiculous. This is idiotic. Yeah. So the two times the Bruins visit Montreal are going to be eaten up in back-to-back Saturday nights. By the time this next Saturday ends, they will have played three of their four meetings. Stupid, idiotic scheduling by the National Hockey League. You, you have to Look, these are our gifts to the hockey fan. Bruins-Canadians games, no matter what the, the rosters look like, they are gifts. You've got to parcel them out. You need to play one a month, December, January, February, and March. Parcel them out like that. The fact that they're playing three of them in an eight-day span is just moronic scheduling by the NHL. Yeah, and it comes back for me. I, I look back towards, you know, this is January. You've already seen the Bruins finish the season series with the Golden Knights, the Coyotes, 
uh, the Avalanche. Who cares? I don't need those games. What I want is an October Montreal game, a November Montreal game. I want to see the changes that these teams make when they go head-to-head. And listen, uh, it sounds like you're with Jack on this one. He wants more division games. Absolutely. And see, I I do not I do not want a situation where I don't get to see every team in the NHL in my building. That's a real thing for you. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Well, it, listen. If 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 you're in Boston, you want to go two years before you see Connor McDavid. Con- well, no, not hell McDavid. no, you don't. Coyote, well, Coyotes, I can live with. No, you see, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You, you either have to play everybody in the league in your building, which mm-hmm. is what they do now, or, or you, you don't play everybody. And uh, to me, that's idiotic. Well, you have to play every team in the league in your building every year. It was 10 years ago that we were seeing what? You're seeing Montreal eight times a year? I think, I think yeah, they, That's a little too much. It's a little too much, but I think when you have those... I think the only way they can do it is the way they do it now. You're, you're stuck with the four. Fine. I understand that. Yeah. Don't play three of the four in eight days. You have some five, though, at the same time, don't you? Don't you? It's this, yeah, this weird thing. They and, still haven't played the Panthers yet. That's what I mean. This schedule kind of sucks because... Well, that's because it got snowed out. Yes, yeah, that is true. They, they were scheduled to play the Panthers. It yeah. just didn't work out that way. Well, I just hate the idea that it, it's so late in the season, and we're... we're you're still wondering what the division looks like. I, it's bad, I think, for one. But you want to see how this team matches up against the rest of the division and see what their competition is. It feels weird that we haven't seen you know, their true competition this late in the season, in my opinion. At the same time, we have season series done with, with half the Western Conference. If I'm a season ticket holder, I want to see every team in the NHL. I want to see Connor McDavid come to town. I want to see uh, Johnny Gaudreau come to town. And and in the in the situation that you describe, I'm not going to get that every year. And mm-hmm. to me, that's that's not doing right by the hockey fans. Look, if you're a Western Conference fan, you want to see Alexander Ovechkin come to town at least once. You want to see Sidney Crosby come to town. You've got to give hockey fans every team in the league. Yeah. Well, I'm with you that this this three games in a week is uh, is just dumb because yeah. I don't think you're going to learn anything from it. You're going to say, okay, well, that team was was good in this game, and and you know they were bad in this game, but. You know, this could be a cold stretcher hut streak, uh, hut, uh, hut streak like it is for the Bruins in a lot of ways. So I'm with you there. Uh, moving ahead to Monday, what do you think of that game? I think that it was winnable and they dropped the ball. I thought the Bruins were flat. Um, you know, and, and coming off the Montreal game on Saturday night, you know, with not even 48 hours between games, it was not to be unexpected. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you can continue to have this this pace that they've been at, this level that they've been at night in and night out. It's a Western Conference game, which means that the extra point doesn't really hurt you all that much. Uh, I, I, it was understandable that they were going to have a bit of a lull, especially when you're going to play Montreal three times in eight days in the middle of this, uh, the way this whole thing was set up. This is the nap in it, between the games. Yeah, and, and it was disappointing. Look, if you're a glass-half-full guy, they fall behind 2 nothing. find a way to get a point out of the game, go to 9-0-4 in their last 13 games. That's the glass half full. The glass half empty is, you fell behind 2 nothing to the Dallas Stars. Uh, at one point in the first period, you were being outshot 12-1. to uh, You got the power play and kind of swung the ice back the other way. But the effort wasn't there. Uh, you know, the, the crispness wasn't there that we've been used to seeing here lately. I'm not shocked. I mean, you can't expect it every single night, but it was disappointing. The good news is they did find a way to get a point. Yeah, you saw Bruce Cassidy switch up the lines. When's the last time you saw that? Well, he hasn't had to. Exactly. This team isn't rolling so well that you haven't had to touch the lines at all. I think the big thing I look back at that game is I think they had 13 or 14 shots in a row when they were sh- when they were outshot 12-1, to 1, right. and they didn't get a single goal out of it. And that's, that's where I look at that. That's a missed opportunity. That's you not starting on time and trying to get your offensive timing back against a team that... You know, they've made some changes. They're still the Dallas Stars. That's still Carrie Letton in the net. 
He's not that great. He's not their, their starting goaltender, for crying out loud. Exactly, that. exactly. You should put at least two home there. The fact they didn't, it's a missed opportunity. And I do think that, in a way, you were okay with this loss, say, in October, because you didn't know what this team was. You know this team is good now. And that's, that's something that sort of does it change the expectations of this team when you look at that game yesterday no. and you say maybe you should have won that game. No, I mean, I, as I said, this one was kind of expected. You could sort of see this one coming. Uh, I wasn't surprised to see it. Of course you're disappointed. Of course you want to you get two points every single night. Uh, I was almost more disappointed in the 6-5 overtime loss in Pittsburgh because you saw a team get away from who they are you know, and, and give up six goals in a game. And Tuka Rask, by his own admission, you know, played awful in that game. I was more disappointed in that overtime loss than this one. This one, I kind of expected it, and, and thank God they found a way to get a point. I thought you were going to say shit again. I'm trying to parcel those out as best I can. I know. People love it, though. They love Why? I don't know. They love Swearing Dale, though. <laughs> it's going to be the new It's gonna be the new Twitter account, yeah, Swearing well, Dale. Have at it. <laughs> well, I do think that when I say the expectations, I don't mean that the team itself. I mean that do our expectations change in the sense of, now we look at games like that and we say, okay, that's a, that's a blown chance, you know, because this team has played so well that now we, games that we would look at and say, oh, we're content with that point, now we want to oh, see the wins. Oh, I didn't say content. I yeah. said at least they found a way to get a point. For sure. Look, I can't expect them to come out there hitting on all cylinders, you know, 82 nights a year. No team in the NHL can do that. If, if you can play poorly by their standards and still get a point, I'll live with that. I don't like it, but I'll live with it. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the streak. You know, the streak is alive. I guess that's that's what you've said. That's the, the positive you can take from that game. At the same time, one of the other positives that I take is Ryan Spooner, he seems to be accepting life as a winger. You just really love Ryan Spooner, don't you? You know, I really do. You know, maybe you maybe you need to spend some time on this podcast just confessing, because you wanted to bring it up before, that somehow yeah. Claude Julian screwed up Ryan Spooner, as though Ryan Spooner, well, Spooner had, had, Ryan Spooner had no fault in it at all, right? I, I think there was a lack of buy-in from Spooner, and then there was a well, lack whose of... whose fault is that? You got a chance to play in the National Hockey League, son. Yeah. Lace up your skates, get your ass out there, and do the job. Stop with this coddling of Ryan Spooner crap. He's playing really well right now. I'm really happy with how he's playing. You think that wasn't possible before? Well, I think last year, he, I think he lost his third-line center job last year. And should have. Without a contest, And though. should have. Really? Did you see how he played? He had 50 points. No. At the time he lost the third-line center job, how was he playing? Well, last year they started him on the wing. They started and, him at and, left wing. And, and how was he playing when he lost the third-line center job? When last year or this year? Because it's happened, it's happened a few times now. Tell me he's going to be the third-line center on this team. Well, not in this one because Riley Nash has been exactly. so good. So, yeah. you know, for all of the excuses people like Ty Anderson make for Ryan Spooner, <laughs> he's got responsibility for himself. Go do the job. If, Tom McVie, and I, I know I quote him far too often, but he's, he's had such an impact on my hockey life. Tom McVie would tell this story. He'd say, a player would come into his office and he'd say, Coach, I just can't play better unless you give me more ice time. And McPhee would look at him and he'd say, play better and I'll give you more ice time. And then the player would say, yeah, but I need more ice time. No, 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 no. Play better and you'll get more ice time. It's a pretty simple formula. Coaches have a vested interest in winning and losing. They want the best players on the ice. Why do you think Matt Grizzlick hasn't been able to, to get out of this lineup right now? He's playing, He's too playing well. great. If Ryan Spooner's playing great, do you think Claude Julian or Bruce Cassidy or any other coach on the planet is going to say, you know, I don't really like this Spooner guy. Let's sit him down and get Fatrano in there. Come on now. Yeah. Play well, better, you play more. I think. Th- I just think that with the relationship, the player-coach dynamic, I think that 
you know, there is a, there's different approaches that you have to take to certain players, and I think it's it's become more of a player friendly league in a lot of ways. The disciplinarians like Claude, I don't know if they 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 necessarily work on a, on every guy. It may work for Brad Marchand, but it might not work for you know three other guys in the roster, which I don't necessarily see I think that. Bruce with. Cassidy's more of a disciplinarian than you know. Really? Yes. Behind the closed doors? Yes. Well, he's blunt. I know that. He, he's very blunt. He does not sugarcoat anything. In fact, he may be more blunt than Claude was with players. Is it a matter of putting the players in better positions then that, that they is enjoy? It, is it the matter of having better players? Well, the ro- I mean, the roster hasn't changed that much oh, in a lot of ways. Oh, it's dramatically better. But your core pieces are still the same. You still have yeah, and your, and your the corp, And your core pieces are playing great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the difference is your your. Secondary pieces are dramatically different here. Yeah, I mean, I'm, dead I, I'm not taking anything away from Bruce Cassidy. I think he's done a remarkable job coaching this team. This team right now is tied with two other teams in the NHL for the fewest regulation losses in the league. We're in the middle of January. They've lost 10 games in regulation this year. That's the same number as the Vegas Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Think about that for a minute. Now, a lot of that is coaching, and I give Cassidy a ton of credit. A lot of that is the roster's better. They're a better team than they were last year. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. At the same time, I, I do think that this team has been better at protecting leads than, than Claude's teams were in a lot of ways. I think that this team, I think they're 18, I think they have one regulation loss when they score first. I think it's one or two. It's not, it's not a lot. I know that much. So they have been a dominant mm-hmm. team when ahead. Which I do think uh, it comes back to the coaching, but also, like I've said, the players buying into, okay, this is a game that we can now dictate. And I think that, you know, I talked to David Backus about that after Monday's game where he said, we can't, we can't let a team slice through us for the first 30 minutes. We need to set the tone in the first 10, and that's when we're a good team. I just, I, I wonder if you get the, that same result with the prior coaching style. That's all. That's that. I mean, that's and that comes back to players. So what we've determined here is that you need to get over your love of Ryan Spooner, and you need to get and and you need to get over Claude Julian. He's not here anymore. Yeah, the guy you've got here now is really good. I'm happy. That's that's like uh, you know. Should I should I be decrying the fact that you know Harry Sinden isn't the general manager of the Bruins anymore? Those days have gone by. The Claude Julian days are gone. They're not coming back. Yeah, you need to let this thing go. I don't know. I still got a whole week of it. I got I got I got to get my week's worth here. I think that's what the big thing is. Well, what? if if you're that concerned about it, you got two more games to fret about whether Claude Julian sucked the life out of the Boston Bruins, which he definitely did. Uh, one player that we can say sucked the life out of something, Tyler Sagan. This is a player that they've traded. He's part of that group that everyone brings up, you know, Joe Thornton, Phil Kessel, Tyler Sagan, Dougie Hamilton. But I don't ever feel like the Bruins the trade was terrible in the sense that the return was bad. But I don't feel like the Bruins made a catastrophic mistake when trading Tyler Sagan. And I wonder why that is. If people think that because this is a podcast, I'm suddenly going to go on the podcast and spill my guts about Tyler Sagan, you're wrong. Uh, They had to trade him. Yeah. They knew they had to trade him. I knew they had to trade him. Heck, for all all I know, Tyler Sagan knew they had to trade him. Your, Your point about did they get enough in return is absolutely valid. Uh, especially now in hindsight, the answer is no, they did not. And, you know, were they in a position where they could shop this guy around the National Hockey League? If you go back to to when this happened, they were trying to get Nathan Horton signed. And they needed the money. They thought they were going to be able to keep Nathan Horton. And then, as it turns out, they trade, you know, Tyler Sagan, and Nathan Horton takes a hike and goes to Columbus. But that was all, it was all intertwined at the time. They were trying to to keep Nathan Horton, keep him here, and keep him happy. 
uh, the Bruins had to had to cut ties with Tyler Sagan. And and to compare and contrast that with Joe Thornton, they didn't have to cut ties with Joe Thornton at all. That was Mike O'Connell, you know, desperately trying to figure out a way to turn his team around and making an, an absolutely catastrophic, idiotic trade. Nobody had an issue with Joe Thornton. Not then, not now, not ever. He was he was a perfect player in terms of attitude and effort. Uh, you know, the, the Kevin Paul DuPont stuff, you know, ripped the C off his chest after the, the playoff loss to the Canadians when he was trying to play with broken ribs was idiotic. And I've told DuPont that. Uh, they, they did not have to trade Joe Thornton. I thought they had to trade Tyler Sagan, and, and I just didn't get all, all that upset. I, now, in hindsight, as I said, I'm upset with especially what they got in return. The fact they traded him, I'm still okay with it. Yeah, I think, you know, I wonder, the numbers, he's been incredible since the trade. I think he has the six most points in the NHL. You know, he, and, and was a plus one. Yeah, and he's, he's, almost a point, he's almost a point per game guy, I think. You know, and the Bruins, the next closest guy the Bruins have, I think, is 20 seconds. Brad Marchand, great player. We all, we all know. Yep. I, I just think that when it comes to him, when is it going to sting? Is it going to sting if he wins? If he becomes what we saw yesterday on Monday where, where he, was a, he was... I thought he was invisible most of the day. Really? Until well, the game-winning goal. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the game-winning goal, they get caught out there for a minute and 15 seconds after the del- delayed penalty call. It's a four-on-three. Matt Grizzlick makes a dive trying to make a play. You know, another player makes a dive trying to make a play. Everyone's on, swimming. Uh, yeah, on the, and if the, if the ice hadn't been frozen, they'd have all drowned. Uh, you know, he, he, he made a great play. Hats off to him. Did you think that he was a, a dominating force throughout the course of the game? I thought he was kind of invisible for much of the afternoon. No, he wasn't a dominant force, but I think in a way he slowed down the Bergeron line as much as they have been over these last few weeks, which I thought was impressive. I never thought I I'd thought say that. I thought it had that. more to do with Bergeron's line. I, I, and again, we go back to how the Bruins played. Do you honestly think that Tyler Sagan defensively is going to slow down Patrice Bergeron? No. Not no. a chance. He matched up against them the best that he ever has, though, as a center in Dallas. Which, which I, think, I think that had more to do with how the, the Bruins were playing. Show, than, I'm, I'm not trying to give late. Tyler Sagan, you know, Selkie Trophy votes based God on no. how he played on Monday. God, no. No, it, it's just a matter of, you know, when I would watch Phil Kessel, I would say, man, they missed that shot. When I watch Joe Thornton, I say, they missed that big body. I don't feel that way with Sagan, and for me, it's wondering. We know the obvious reasons why he was traded. They know that he had to go. You know, there there were off ice issues and whatnot that they they were not they weren't sure were ever going to fix themselves. And you hit the point where if you don't move him, now you have sort of this you know this albatross in your books where no one wants to touch the guy because he he's more concerned with what's, what's no, happening they, at the they bar. They had him under contract, and it was a a reasonable contract. They didn't have to trade him because of that. No, they had to trade him for other reasons. Uh, and it was it was why he was even more attractive to Dallas. A, he was a good player, and B, his contract was good. Yeah, and I think at the same time, I don't think that I feel I feel as if I feel that he's not this massive loss because I don't think he would ever be this player here. I really don't. I think the trade woke him up in a lot of ways. I think it made him realize that he had to mature. If he's really matured, I don't know. He he plays in the shadow of the Cowboys, so he can really probably do whatever he wants in Dallas, and no one knows who he is. But I do think that. You know, people see this 90-point Sagan, and they think that the Bruins gave up on that. No, the Bruins gave up on a 28-goal, 65-point Tyler Sagan. He was never going to be that 90-point guy here in Boston unless they oh, trade I don't know. Oh. Maybe he would have. Unless they traded Crazy Bergeron. That wasn't why Bergeron. they traded him. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But, it, it, it wasn't that they, they didn't think he, you know, lacked talent. Uh, they thought he did lack um, focus, direction, desire, drive. Uh, if you're going to tell me that he suddenly discovered that in Dallas, I'd suggest that they would have done better as a team if that were all true. 
Because I haven't seen it. It was a two-month stretch, I think, where they really lost faith in Tyler Sagan. I think it was that 2013 playoff run where you had all the rumors about, you know, they had guards at his door in Toronto because he would go out. You know, he had, he had problems back in Boston as well. Uh, you know, people will tell you that, that that was not a good run for him, and the numbers played that out. I think he, I think he had under 10 points in, you know, 20 playoff games, whatever it was. He was a third liner by the end of it. There are many within the Bruins organization who think that, that they would have beaten the Chicago Blackhawks in that series if Tyler Sagan had shown up. Yeah, which he didn't. He didn't at all. I think he was on the third line. I think it was, what, it was Kelly and, and I want to say it was Peverly, but I, I don't know if Peverly moved up to take his spot at that point. But this was a player that gave you absolutely nothing when, when you really needed it the absolute most. And I think that I think that when they walked away I mean, yes, from, that's Claude's fault too, right? No, that's his fault. That's it. That's absolutely his fault. I, listen, I wasn't a Claude hater. I just realized that I think that by the end of it, he was more negative than positive with his team. And, I disagree with you. Really? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not going back through this. I, no, no, you, no. You've got two more to. games to, you know, bring your Kleenex box with you as you watch Claude coach at the Garden on Wednesday night and get ready for Saturday night. You'll only have one more Claude game the rest of the year after this week. Well, it's a five-year deal, so I can I can make it work. He ain't going anywhere with that money. No, no. Nor, I mean, yeah, and that's that's for better or worse. I, last thing on Claude, if I were him, I would have taken a year off. I really would have. I would have taken a year off. I would have rediscovered what I think can work in the National Hockey League. I could pick my pick. You Hard know. to say what Claude did didn't work. Well, by the end he of it, He wins a cup. He loses a cup final. He wins a president's trophy. Uh, it's hard to say that what Claude did here didn't work. Well, I think One more tweaks. games than any coach in the history of the Bruins. Yeah. I, 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 you're really rewriting history if you're going to tell me what Claude does doesn't work. Well, these final two and a half years, specifically the last year and a half, I would say, I would think that you... When Don Sweeney had to blow the roster up to help solve all the issues that Peter Shirelli had left him with, uh, everybody knew the issues here from a roster perspective. I don't think the problem was Claude at the end. Yeah, but you don't think a, a slight break could have benefited him, a guy who's been coaching forever? You know, maybe do the Tortorella how do you, how approach. How pass that up? I think he, he had every intention. He was getting paid by the Bruins. He was fine. I don't think he intended to, to sign with another team a week later. But the Montreal Canadiens come knocking on your door with that contract, and you're going to say, yeah, you know, I think I'll just take a year off. Thanks. Yeah, but you knew Terry was going to get fired anyways. Why don't you wait until the, the actual offseason? You, you can go to Dallas. You can go to Montreal. You can go to any of these other coaching My destinations. Guess is he wanted to go to Montreal. Yeah, I don't know why, though. I don't, I, I, I don't get that. Like, and that's the thing, like... I just don't understand it, but we're getting we're getting so far off this this my my Sagan point here, but that's okay. Uh, I, what I think about Sagan though is that I think that at the end of the day, I think he lost the trust of his room, of his locker room, of his teammates, and that was the biggest reason why he was traded. I, I don't think that you know Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand will always love Tyler Sagan. I don't think that he had the support of the big man. I don't think he had the support of his coaching staff or the front office, and I think it's ultimately why this move has always been easier to stomach. In a lot of ways, despite the numbers, you know, and, and obviously Sagan not winning definitely helps that as well. He's Joe Thornton light. You know, Kessel's won three. Yeah, he's not even close to Joe Thornton. No, no. Kessel's won two Stanley Cups. He's been a point-per-game guy in the playoffs. Yeah, he's, he's won two Stanley Cups when he's the third-line center. He's produced, though, at the he's same the time. He's the third-line center, which is yeah. what Phil Kessel was most comfortable being, I bet. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I just I just think that I wonder when this move is going to sting because it just hasn't yet. And that's a, that's a real thing. I, I don't know if it ever will. I just think that the return Just sucks. to all the young ladies in the garden I saw wearing their Sagan sweaters on Monday. Isn't that there amazing? There was a lot of them. Isn't that amazing that a player's here for three years and he has that impact on, on the on the uh, 
on young fans. females. Yeah, yeah, it's still It's like it's all like all those girls from Revere wearing their crucial Niski sweaters back in the day. <laughs> Same sort of thing. You know, it's it's one of those things where I don't think that they knew the person. I don't think they I don't think you'd support it if you knew the person. I really don't. That's that's a real thing that you you heard a lot of horror stories by the end of it of things that he and his cronies were doing around town and and I think that's a you know, that's the thing. A lot of it's maybe off the like record nonsense. Maybe, maybe, but you know, you got a new one who's a nice, who's a nice bad boy, David Posternak. He's got tattoos, but he's but he's a nice guy. He's yep. fun. I like him. Uh, I I do think that this is a big week for the Bruins. I, I do think that this team. Well, they can basically end the Canadian season. This exactly, week. exactly. And I that's mean, why. If, if they do their job in these three games, basically they've put the Canadians so far behind the eight ball that uh, they're going to have to look at the possibility of selling and not buying. And I'm not even sure what they can sell, to be honest with you. Oh, it's junk. Uh, which is, you know, back to my point about Claude and what could he do with that load of flotsam and jetsam. Uh, but I do think that if the Bruins were to to do their job Wednesday night at home. Saturday night back at the Bell Center, um, the Canadians' playoff possibilities are basically cooked. One last thing I want to bring up, uh, Jack Johnson. This, yep. is, this is a name that has, he's requested a trade out of Columbus. He would, he would like to be traded. I know Columbus is looking for forwards. Is, are the Bruins a fit for Jack Johnson? <sighs> Jaffe would be able to tell you this because he can and I can't. Uh, is he a left shot or a right shot? He's a left shot. Final year of his deal. I think he's 30-something. 33, I want to say. Final year of his deal and probably wanting an expensive deal on, the, on top of that. Well, knowing his family, yeah, he needs an expensive deal. He's bankrupt. Yeah, my guess is he's probably not a fit here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and look, it always depends on what you have to give up. I understand that. Uh, if, if you're telling me you're, that you'd have to dip into the, the, the stock of young forwards that you've got percolating through the system, I'm probably not interested. You know, this is where Bruins fans come up with, well, we'll give you a We'll give you uh, Ryan Spooner, and we'll give no, you... No, we're and, not. And, well, and, and, but it's the deal they always come up with. You know, as, as we said last week, I'll give you five pennies, you give me a nickel sort of thing. Uh, Bruins fans, when they look at deals like this, always want to give up the things that will hurt them the least. That's uh, not how deals generally work in the National Hockey League. I'm probably not interested. Uh, you know, at this point, you, you've got a pretty good NHL defenseman who can't find his way onto the ice here. So I, I probably am not sure that Jack Johnson makes a big difference here. Yeah, I'm, I'm anti-Jack Johnson just because of the price. I think that, again, with Columbus wanting a forward, you're going to need to give up one of your young guys that I really don't want to touch right now. I think that they're uh, definitely part of your core moving forward, if not for a bigger deal. And if I'm making that bigger deal, it's not Jack Johnson. It is someone locked up long-term. Someone I mean, do they want Trent Frederick, for instance? Yeah. They probably would want a guy like Trent Frederick. Do you want to give up a, a, a kid you know, who's probably going to turn pro at the end of this season Probably going to have a pretty good opportunity to make your team here next year. Do I want to give up Trent Frederick for the right to rent Jack Johnson for the rest of the year? I don't think I'm interested. No, no, and absolutely. And there's another guy out there on waivers, Paul Martin. Everyone wants this veteran. Well, we defenseman. talked about him last night uh, on on set. We were just kicking it around. Uh, Billy said, "Oh, look, Paul Martin's uh, on waivers," and we were kicking it back and forth, Brick and Barry and Billy and I. And the consensus was, again, I don't think he makes you. Much better than what you've got here. No, absolutely not. And then he has another year left on his contract at, I think, just under 5 mil. I'm all set. I'm good with these veteran guys. Yeah. Uh, you got Adam McQuaid, who's seventh right now. I think that's fine. Unless, you know, a, a 25-year-old, like I said, comes becomes available and he's disgruntled and he wants out of town, maybe I bring that player in. But I, I think right now you're staying the course. I don't. And the only guy that I would really would give me pause in a lot of ways is Nicholas Drommelson. He's with the Coyotes now. He's with the Blackhawks before. This is a left, 
you know, a left shot D who can log big minutes. He can eat own zone time. You know, he's won it before. This is the player that I would consider moving some assets for. Even then, I'm not 100% on board. But Jack Johnson is not that guy. Paul Martin, not that guy. Well, Paul Martin, all you'd have to do is put in a waiver claim. But exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested. I, I just don't see that he makes you better right now. No, I don't think he does. And I, who are you going to sit down? That's the other thing, too. I mean, I'm not sitting. I'm not sitting Matt Grizzly down just because this guy Paul Martin's won it before. I'm not sitting Adam McQuaid down because hey, you know we have a chance to get this guy Paul Martin, so you got to still be on the IR even though you're probably ready to play whenever you want. I, I do think that you add to this group, you have to know this move is going to work throughout the room, and not to say that Paul Martin would be a disruption, but I do think that you'd ruffle some feathers within your own D line right, with your own blue line right now if you were to add him. Sort of like they did when they traded Johnny Boychuk away. And and they felt the repercussions for that for a couple of seasons. And, you know, if if you brought in Paul Martin and stuck Adam McQuaid in a cupboard somewhere, that's probably not going to set well in your room. No, absolutely not. And I, especially when you look at, we've talked about Adam McQuaid being the player who has given his body to the Boston Bruins in a lot of ways. Like, he has knocked a significant amount of games off his career because of what he's done for the Boston Bruins, and I think in a lot of ways. And, and the players, they rally around a guy like that. They want to see him back in the lineup. They understand the situation right now. They've all been there. They love the guy. Exactly. And, and I don't think that you bring in a guy. Paul Martin's won before. Great. Has he won in Boston? No. Adam McQuaid has won in Boston. He's won over his teammates, and I think that you can't, you can't bring in these guys and say, McQuaid, I'm sorry, this is life for you now. Have fun watching from level nine. The popcorn's nice and warm. And now I'm hearing, I mean, you hear these rumors out of, out of Brooklyn that, that the, the Islanders are considering buying out Johnny Boychuk at this point. Which is crazy. He signed a contract that the Bruins weren't going to touch, nor should they have touched. And now they're talking in New York about the possibility of buying him out. Now he's still hurt and all that stuff, but you know when he's ready to come back, can you imagine if they do that? That would be nuts. I mean, I look at that. It's funny. I look at that Boychuk move as that was the move that truly closed their window because you got rid of a guy who was not necessarily a top pairing guy, but he matched up with your top pairing guy perfectly. Yep. That Chara Boychuk pairing was amazing those final few seasons. So people look at that Sagan move and the Aginla, you know, losing Aginla. I look at that Boychuk trade as that was the one move that officially closed the window on the Boston Bruins. Well, it was definitely the move within the dressing room that, that shocked that team, and not in a good way. Uh, the players in that room were really disappointed when Johnny Boychuk was was moved out. Especially because he was a, if you, you know, talking to Johnny Boychuk, he was a goof. You know, he made everyone laugh. He was, he was a, a guy that you wanted to be around, I think. And when you lose those, and when you lose those guys, and you're going through a, a transition as a franchise, I think you can find yourself in dangerous, dangerous waters. Yep. See, we did find an agreement on something. I know. I know. That was what, I don't one like for it. four, one for five. I know. we gotta, we got to be arguing. More. And it's unlike good. our president, I didn't even say the S word. Uh, you know, it's a shithole podcast, right? Not yet. Let's Not see yet. how you do. Yeah, we'll see. Well, Dale, thanks for joining me again, as always. Appreciate this. We've gone through two episodes now. The third episode, we're going to come to blows, I'm sure. It'll be great. Well, in fact, the third episode, depending on how things you know work out in the next week or so, I really do want to do a deep dive into this whole fighting subject. I love it. The, uh, the, the number of fighting majors is down dramatically in the National Hockey League this year. And uh, it, it is a continuing decline. It's been on decline for a while, but this year it's really down. And we're just going to maybe have to get into the whole whys and wherefores and whether or not it's a good thing for the National Hockey League. But I love that's it. the next episode, perhaps. I love it. It's a teaser. It's great. It's what we do. Love it. Well, Dale, like I said, thanks again. Have a good day. All right, Ty.